I want to talk this morning about wine. Have I got any wine lovers here this morning? You, you, gee, you're brave putting your hand up in church. That's good. It says a bit about our church. But we, we live in a region where, where there are lots, uh, lots of smallish vineyards, aren't there? Um, like, like even Friday morning, I was out riding my bike as I do, and, and in the particular loop I did, not far from Hobart at all, but I, I must have, I, I would have ridden past probably, you know, I reckon 20 different vineyards in, in that ride as I, I rode out, out sort of Richmond Way and, and, and back around. And at the moment, the, you know, the, the grapes are, are on the vines. They're, they're, they're growing grapes. Now, in coming months, those grapes are, are going to be picked. And, of course, the grapes that are grown here are, are, not, are not table grapes. Um, they're wine grapes. So what will happen is those grapes, the first thing that happens after they're picked um, is... You know, they might wash them and do some things. I'm not that across the, the whole process. If we had Dan here, he'd tell us. But um, the main thing that happens is the, those grapes are crushed. And, and out, of, out, of, out of the crushing of the grapes comes grape juice. And, and that grape juice is then, you know, fermented and turns into wine. So that's where we get our wine from. And, but the thing is, you, you can pick those grapes... And you can, you can put them in bins or you can put them on your table or you can have them wherever you like, but you're never going to get wine from those grapes unless they're pressed. It's actually in the pressing that the juice comes out and then that juice becomes wine. And just think about your last 12 months or, or your last two years or, or, or your last 10 years or some of you think, oh, my whole life. But, but just think about those times... Who's been through seasons of pressing? You know, we, most of us have it in some form almost every week, don't we? There, there, is, there is pressure, there is pressing. And, and I don't know why it is, but many of us actually arrange our lives so that we have pressure. Who does that? <laughs> who, who has their life sort of going fairly easy and then we take on a, another challenge or we do something in, in our life, you know, like... Um, you know, like, like Tennille, she had, had, a, had a couple of kids in her family and then she made a choice that, that meant her family went from a couple of kids to many more kids. So she created more pressure and pressing in her world. Uh, and many of us do that in so many ways. And, and if we're going to advance the kingdom, there will be times that there'll be pressing. There'll be times we feel under pressure. No one actually likes feeling under pressure, do they? I, I, I've Making so made so many decisions in my life where we do things, and in the lead up to whatever, wherever you're going or, or, or something you're getting through, you can feel under a lot of pressure. And I'm thinking, why did I? Why did I decide to do that? You know, why did we? You know, why did we? Why did we? Why did we do church together this year? Why did we? Why did I decide to do this big bike ride? Why did I? I take this on. Why did I make this financial commitment? All these things that we do as part of our life. And in the process, there is pressing. And no one really likes that pressing. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about pressing. He says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. And, and what he's saying is, is, is there will be times of pressure. There will be times of pressing. But he said... You know, you, you can actually, you can be pressed, 
but in the kingdom of God, you will not be crushed. And I think that might be a word for some people here this morning. When you're going through some stuff, there is pressure, there is pressing, but God is saying you can be in the pressing, but you will not be crushed. You will be perplexed. In other words, what's going on here? I don't understand this. Why is all this happening? But he says, don't despair because I am with you and I will lead you through that. New wine in the New Testament was a, was a symbol of the new covenant or put it really simply, a new uncomplicated way that God wants to relate to people. And, and, and if you're on mission... I think what we're called to do is make Jesus less complicated in a complicated world. Because he, he was never about complication. He came at a time when religion was more complicated than ever. And what did he do first and foremost? He set about trying to make that religion less complicated and more relational. So he, he wanted to actually get rid of the stuff and highlight relationship over the complication of religion. Many of us feel like our our lives have got complicated, haven't they? Who's got a complicated life? I have, I have. My life is so seriously complicated. Really seriously complicated. You know, like like this morning, I'm, uh, you know, I should be, you know, doing the normal pass of things, standing up the front. Yeah, 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 here we are. And, you know, I'm sitting down the back in the middle of complication. You know, we do things in our world that makes our life complicated. But you know what? God is not trying to make your life more complicated. He actually wants to relate to you in the middle of your complication in an uncomplicated way. He he wants, he wants an uncomplicated relationship with you. You see, in the pressing, God will produce new things in you. Maybe you need to write that down for what you're going through at the moment or the season you're in or what is ahead of us. And, you know, even as a church, as we, as we walk through all the things that go in developing a building and, and, and getting ready for a new season, you know, that, that there's pressing, there's pressure that we feel. But you know what? In the pressing, God is doing a new thing. In the pressing, he is producing something new. In the pressing, he will produce new wine be encouraged. He is doing good things and new things. The first miracle, or the first public miracle performed by Jesus was to address a sort of a a catering muck-up, for want of a better term. And he was at a wedding, and and the wedding obviously was going okay, because they ran out of wine. And many of you know the story that Jesus' mother, and she's probably a little bit mercy gifted, and she's looking around, and she's aware of what's going on, and she could just, you know, she could she could see the stress, perhaps on the on the face of 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 the bridegroom's mum. She thought, "Poor lady, they've run out of wine," and she's she's feeling it. So she comes over to Jesus and says, "Jesus, uh, we've run out of wine," and he sort of looks at her and says. Well, yeah. <laughs> and she did the mum thing and, and didn't leave it at that. She says, don't hold out on me. I know you can do something. There, there's an uncomplicated relationship with Jesus. 
Many of us have got to have that sort of uncomplicated religion. Jesus. When stuff is going on, and we, and, and we bring it, and in the first instance, it's like, oh, did he even hear my prayer? What's going on? Well, he just wants us to be uncomplicated like his mum. Jesus, I, I actually know you've got the answers here. I know you can come through. I know you can do something. And so this first miracle, he, he takes his mum's advice, and, and he turns a whole lot of water into wine. It wasn't, it wasn't just a whole, a little bit, but there was, you know, these 12 great big jars of water, and I think they were, some, they were, they were gallons and gallons each, and, and he turns it all into wine, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the wedding gets going again because everybody's got wine and everybody's relaxed, and, and away they go. In the region that Jesus lived, with its scarcity of water, Wine was actually much more than a luxury. It was a necessity to life. Because it was actually in that, in that, in that fermented grape juice where it would keep and, and, and would actually survive the harsh conditions. And it, it, it actually brought healing. And it, you know, it was used as an anesthetic. And they, it, it was actually really vital to life to actually have wine. So it was more than just the, the luxury that we know it as today. It also came to symbolise the sustenance and life due to its relationship with the life of the ongoing, it's the ongoing life of the community, and in association with grain and oil, it also represented God's Old Testament covenant and blessing. And basically, what that said was, you know, if you are, if you choose to be obedient, if you choose to listen to me and you choose to follow the things that I say, well, I will bless your harvest. I will make sure that you have the grain and the oil and the wine that you actually need for life. But wine also represents, and particularly, this is why, why Jesus chose a wedding ceremony for this first miracle, I believe, that, that wine represents joy, it represents celebration, it represents festivities, and it also represented healing. And Jesus actually came to, to actually say, you know what? I represent joy. I represent festivals. I represent healing. I represent newness. I represent leaving the old behind and coming into a new relationship with me. And that, I believe, is why Jesus chose a wedding for that first public miracle. So a wedding, it's all about relationship. It's all about new life. It's all about future it's, it's all about the blessing of two people coming together. That's what the new covenant or the new uncomplicated way of Jesus relating to people is all about. New wine represents a new covenant, a relationship that's not about laws and regulations, but it's about relationship, celebration and blessing. And he explains it again in, in Mark chapter 2. And he was confronted again with religious people and they, they come to him and say, Hey, Jesus, your, your disciples, those guys that follow you around, I've noticed, noticed something. Sometimes as a pastor, people will come up and say, Hey, Pastor Dave, I've, I've, I've sort of noticed something about the church. I've noticed something. And you think, Oh, yeah, what, what, what's coming? And... And, and it was like that. They said, Jesus, we've noticed something about your disciples. You know, they're, they're good guys, but they're, they're not fasting. In fact, the difference between 
your disciples and John's disciples. John's disciples are fasting and doing some of the religious things. And your guys seem to be partying. They're turning up. They're turning up. And they're at the parties with the craziest, wildest people that we wouldn't associate with. So what's the story? And Jesus took this opportunity to speak into what it really means to change from living by public ritual to authentic spirituality. And he says, and no one puts the new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskin and the and the skin and sorry and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So first of all, Jesus brings new wine. The religion of his day, it it, it had a form, but it had no power or authenticity. Who's been, and so often I think we can look back and say, oh yeah, that was then, that was in the Old Testament. But how often has our Christianity, and I'm talking right across, you know, Christendom for want of a better word, but how often has it had the form and the structure, but no power and authenticity? How often has sometimes your own relationship with God had form but no power? And Timothy says this, Paul says this writing to Timothy, he says, he talks about people, and it's interesting the, the connection. He says, people in the last days. In other words, people, you know, a long time from now. That's us. He says, exactly the same thing that Jesus was confronting in his day. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he says, and from such people turn away. In other words, don't let people that want to want to, want to be all about the form, want to be all about the religion, want to be all about the structure, don't allow that to shape your life and... and, and and the decisions that you make and the way that you live. And Jesus challenged the religion of his day and Timothy said it would become like that again as time goes on. You see, in the pressing of life, Jesus is about new wine. He's actually uh, about doing a new thing. And he doesn't want us to go back to old ways and old religions and things like that. And I'm not talking... He doesn't say you've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but he actually says, you know what? Make sure that... That, that we're not living out a form of godliness that actually has no power or authority, authenticity or relationship. And I believe he's certainly doing a new thing among us. I believe he's doing a new thing across the globe at the moment. I think we live in really, really exciting times. I mean, we can feel so challenged with the way things are moving in this world, but, but with challenge comes amazing opportunity. Will you be able to contain the new thing? Or can we contain the new wine? Do we have form but no power? So the whole, the whole wineskin thing, many of you would know, but, but basically they used animal skins to contain the wine. So, so the new wine, when it, was, when it was, you know, after it had been crushed and gone through the process, they would put it into these skins to ferment. And, and has anybody ever gone to the fridge or your school bag. 
Who's, who's, found, who's found some orange juice that have been in your school bag for three months? <laughs> when, you, when, you take the, when you take the lid off that orange juice that's been in your school bag for three months, you generally will get an explosion. Beautiful thing, isn't it? Along with the squash banana. You see, when we went to school, you know what? They have, things do improve over time. When we went to school, you know, you had the old TAA bags, remember them? And they had, and they had a board in the bottom of the bag, like a, like a, little, a little thin piece of um, sort of thick cardboard or plywood or whatever it was in the bottom of the bag. And what would happen is things would go under the board. <laughs> Orange juice, bananas, sandwiches, smokes you were hiding from your mum. All these things were... Would go on. I remember my mum finding those under the board. Not in my bag, but. <laughs> you see, as, as, as things ferment, obviously they expand. And, and th- what they would do is they would use a, a skin that, that needed to expand with the wine. And if those skins were used once, they'd already almost expanded as far as they could. So if you were to put new wine into the old wine skin, well, it it had no more elasticity and it would break and obviously all the wine would be lost. So often God is wanting to do something new in us. So often he's wanting to take us from where we were. But our thinking, our structures are so rigid that we can't actually contain what he's wanting to do. And I believe at the moment he, he's ready to pour out new wine. He's, he's ready to do new things on us. His challenge isn't, oh, God, have you got new wine? Jesus, are you wanting to do something in me? Our challenge is, are we flexible enough? Are we able to contain what he's actually pouring out and pouring into us in this season? Are we ready to take that on in 2020? Are we ready for what is ahead of us? We, we can't get new results with old behaviors. We can't have old wine um, we can't have new wine in an old wineskin. Will the container, will the, cons- will the structure, will our thinking, will our traditions contain the new? Will you be able to contain the new thing? And, and I want to, just in the little bit of time I've got left, how can we contain the new wine? How can we contain the new thing that God is doing in us? And I think this is really pertinent for us as individuals and it's really important for us as church at the moment. What, what's number one? You're going to love this. You're going to say, Dave, I'm really pleased you said this. Number one, repent. Number one, repent. Number one, repent. Now, don't get me started. But you know what? A good, a good, a good time before God of repenting will fix a whole lot of things. You will be amazed. You could actually sometimes cut short thousands of dollars of therapy with having a good repentance session before God. It's true. It is absolutely true because there is healing in actually being honest before God and honest with yourself and moving on to what is next. And repent means much more than just having a guilty conscience or or even being contrite about something that has happened. The underlying Greek word is is a form of um, metonia, which means to have a change of mind or character. So basically to repent is to change one's thinking or have a paradigm shift. 
to change your thinking. And, and we often, oh, uh, you know, repent because I did something naughty. Oh, you know, re- you know, some of those things that we just don't. Oh, you know, I've got a stealing problem, okay? Every time I get in a shop, I, I don't take much, but I just can't help just taking a, a bar of chocolate with me. And, and then you get convicted about that and you feel really bad and, and you, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, God, and, and, and move on. But that, all that is, all that is is to be contrite. It's to realise that you've done the wrong thing and, and you don't feel that good about it. But to repent means to actually have a change of thinking. It means to address the reasons why you do what you did. And, and it actually means to, to think about how your thinking is going to change your actions. Paul had a great grasp of this when he, when he said to his friends in Rome, in Romans 12 verse 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so how, how do we transform our life? You know, everyone wants to, oh, gee, I'm 2020, my New Year's resolution. I'm going to transform my life. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to get fit, and I'm going to be a nice person. Bingo. By January the 5th, if you use your credit card again, you've eaten a cream cake and you're blown up at your wife. <laughs> That's not point fingers. The Bible says something about glass houses. I don't think it does. Do not be conformed. In other words, do not do not stay in the pattern that you're already in, but be transformed. And how do we do that? By actually, it's in the authenticity of our relationship with Jesus that our mind is renewed, that actually changes the way we think about those things. And if you're wondering oh gee I'd like to do that but I just don't have the power to do that well if you're in Christ listen to what it says in Philippians 2 verse 5 it says let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus in other words when we come to him we actually the Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ we are able to access his amazing sense of wisdom and everything that he's got we're able to access that to transform our thinking but the old wineskin says listen to this some of the things that we've got to got to think about we're talking about mission this morning the old wine again says you know what the harvest comes only at a certain time and in a certain way you know some people tell you oh if christians want revival there's a recipe we've got to do this 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 and this and then we're going to wait for it to happen but you know what what did jesus say about revival he says i tell you open your eyes look around the fields are ripe for harvest he didn't say you've got to wait for revival. He says, I am actually Captain Revival. I've brought revival. It is here. Go out and get the harvest. The old wineskin says, hold on tight to what you have because you might run out. The new wineskin with the mind of Christ says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, put in your lap. The old paradigm says, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. One of my favourite lines from Kenny. 
Kenny's an Australian guy with a, with a great career in port and all things septic. Broken up with his wife and life's not going that well. Son says to him, Mum says, Mum says you're going to go to hell or something like that. And then he says, is Jesus real? And he says, Kenny says to his son, you know, if you're the father of wisdom, when Jesus Christ comes down here and talks to me, well, I'll believe him. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. The new paradigm says, you'll see it when you believe it. You'll see it when you believe it. You see, it's amazing when you change your mindset when you read the Word of God with a different paradigm, you know, when we read something, we take it on with a cynical nature, even as, as we be sitting here this morning, you know, you can hear somebody like me preaching and think, oh, yeah, he would say that. That's what he does. But, you know, that, that can be a cynical. But if, if it's like, oh, I, I'm actually listening to the Word of God and, and I'm starting to believe what God says about me and I'm believing the truth of the new covenant, well, it is amazing what you'll start to see. You'll see it when you believe it. Now, number two in, in, in being new wineskin people, in, in moving from the old, in containing and being flexible enough to contain what God has got for us, number two is, is I think, replace. Let's not try and patch up an old thing. When I, I was an auto electrician, people would bring things to us all the time. And, and sometimes they were, there were, there were two sorts. There, there were things that were, were so, so old and decrepit, but somebody wanted to use them and you couldn't buy a new one, so they just hoped that we could do some sort of miracle and make it go again. Or, or, or there was someone that was just tight. They, they said, you know, I, I want this fixed, but I don't want to spend any money on it. And, and so often we, 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 we would try and fix it up. It's the most frustrating thing, trying to fix something that is absolutely past it. And, and so often... My dad's here, and we, we worked together way back. And, and you know, there'd the, be these things, and we'd patch things up, and we'd get it going, and you'd sort of have to give a disclaimer. Well, it's working now, mate, but there's no guarantee because, you know, you, know, you can't make a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You can't actually get something working that's completely cactus. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I have actually come to bring a new thing. I am not going to try and patch up a system that was cactus. If things are not quite working, let's not try and patch up our old paradigm. We've actually got to adapt a new paradigm to the way that we approach life, to the way that we think about what Jesus is doing for us. And Jesus actually said that in the, in the same passage here. He said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away, making the tear worse. In other words, you know, taking this, this thing that is really new, hasn't been able to, to, to stretch or shrink, and, and, and sewing it onto something. You know, let's not try and patch up things that are broken. Who's, who's got... You don't have to answer this, but... Who's got something in your world that is broken? I have. I don't have to think very far to think certain things are broken. 
And, and, and let's, let's not be just trying to put patches on things. Let's be actually brave enough to actually say, you know, we, we're going to address what's going on here and, and we actually want the new wineskin. We want a new paradigm of thinking about it. We want a new way of going through that rather than trying to patch it up. It's like a relationship. You know, you're, you're having trouble with somebody. You know, maybe it's in the workplace and, and, and you just keep arguing and you, and you have little patch-ups. And, and, and those of us that are at teams, you would all see that, little patch-ups, and then there's this, and then there's a little patch-up, and a little patch-up, but the underlying issues are never actually addressed. But Jesus said, now don't just keep patching it up. Be brave enough to, to take a new paradigm and address what really is the problem there. Let the same mind be in you as in Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5. I am trans... Listen to this. If, if you want to replace, this is some ways that you do it. I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. I have the mind that is also in Christ Jesus. I release unproductive thoughts and feelings and let them go. I change my thinking from lack to plenty, from hopelessness to hope, from the old me to the new me. I welcome new ideas from Christ's mind in me. I am transformed. Now, you might think, oh, that just sounds like a whole lot of positive talk and all that stuff. But I guarantee if you will actually start to speak those things over your life, you actually start to change patterns and, and your mind starts to be transformed and you are able to adopt a new paradigm. Number three, this is the one that you're all going to like. Third R, relax. There, yeah, I, I was nearly losing you, but I brought you back. You see, if, if the wine skin was forced, there was going to be an explosion. It, it, I can imagine this, you know, like, like I've, I've done these sorts of things. Suddenly somebody's, you know, there's a, there's a winemaker back in Israel. I've had a bumper crop. And they made all this wine and they start filling the new wineskins. And it's like all of a sudden, we run out of new wineskins. Where are they? Oh, yeah, that's an old one there. That doesn't look like it's stretched too much. We'll use that one and, and, and bring that one in and, and that one in. And, 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 you know, in the panic, they bring all these things in. And it's not long, it starts to ferment. And bang, 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 all these wineskins are popping. And often at the, 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 the stress and the worry and the striving that we bring about the change that Jesus wants to do in us actually brings us to a place where we become so rigid and uptight that explosions happen. Let's not establish unrealistic time fronts. It took us a while to get how we are. It's going to take Jesus a while to unravel it. The important thing is that life is a journey and we are being transformed. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. In other words, it, it, it takes time. It's just, why don't we just we chill a little bit? And, and it's not chilling. Relaxing isn't like, oh, I don't do anything. I'm not in this. But relaxing is to realize that, you know, God's got it. I'm with him. And I'm actually going to enjoy this journey of transformation. And I'm not going to get 
so uptight when things are not where I would like them to be, where I haven't arrived. You know, we, we'll be like this with this building we're in. God's given us amazing opportunity. We've got a vision for, for where things are going and what's going to happen. But, you know, at the moment, it's not quite there. And we've got temporary walls here. We haven't got the new PA going yet. And it's a bit echoey. And, you know, and then we're, 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 we're sort of working all these things out. And, you know, the, the sense where, yeah, we're going we're gonna to forge on with this um, with as much momentum as we can. But we've got to relax and enjoy the journey. We are in exciting days. You know, let's not be uptight about it, but let's enjoy the journey of what is ahead of us and all that is there. So let's do that. Relaxing means to, to give things a light touch. It means not feeling condemned by old concepts and behaviours. Just let them go. The worst thing... The worst thing, actually, when you're, you're dealing with those things is guilt, isn't it? Because that the guilt that you, you carry is an isolating thing. And it takes you away. It takes you away from your relationship with Jesus. It takes you away from your relationship with people. And it takes you in a place where, where you, you become very self-focused, which is exactly the place where you want to go back to the thing that put you in that place. So let's, let's give it a light touch. And, and let's allow Jesus to work in that. If the, if the team wants to run New wine requires new wineskins. A new day, a new season requires a new paradigm or new thinking. As a church, press in to an exciting new day. But God is certainly doing new things. Let's keep praying. Let's remember in the pressing there is new wine being produced. In other words, new things there are people here this morning and you know what, in the season ahead, you know what, what is actually being produced in you is going to go far, far beyond what you've ever imagined. Go with the YWAM team there in red top on. I want to encourage you that I think you've, you've come into this season with, a, with some thinking, some ideas about what it could be. I think that's all good. But you know what? There is, there is a sense where, where I believe that God wants you to, to totally take on a new wineskin. He, he's actually calling you to, 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 be, to be much more flexible about, about the things that he would do in you and through you and what's ahead of you. And, and you'll be amazed if you if you decide that you know I'm I'm not going to become I'm not going to become rigid I'm not going to become sort of contained in my thinking. You'll be amazed at where he takes you and what he does. I, I just believe at the moment he's starting to produce in you some some things that you couldn't even imagine would happen. Things that, that are not you thought oh wow that that's so beyond me. 
but you know there is a season where yet there's going to be some pressing there's going to be some challenges but there is new wine being produced new wine being can I encourage you too Katie there, there is new wine Katie there's pressing I want to encourage you not to not to fear but embrace the pressing and relax in that season of pressing because you know what God is producing something in you exceptional but just relax and, and walk through the pressing it's a season for what is being produced and what is to come is incredibly amazing walk through it you don't have to feel like I've got to get out of it or I've got to get through this you know Jesus is with you people are with you and there is a whole lot that is supporting you but in the pressing he's producing something incredibly amazing new wine a new thing God's leading us into something really exciting. Let's press into Him. Let's press into Him. You'll be amazed at what He's going to do.